Welcome to Rochambeau, the podcast about unique competitions, extraordinary events, and other amazing adventures. I'm Ted. And I'm Kim. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, welcome back. We hope you listen to our other episodes, all of them. Because they're all great. You could they'd keep you awake, the whole the whole thing. <laughs> so, guess what I have today? What do you have today? On today's episode, Tiddlywinks. All right, Ted, Tiddlywinks. Tiddlywinks. Is, is this the game that I know from my childhood or is this well, something else? Tell me what you know about the game from your childhood. Oh my Kimberly. gosh. I barely remember, but doesn't it have something to do with like tossing coins into something else like little plastic round colorful pieces is that thinking of the lucky charms game that came free i don't know i made that part up yes that is what it is that is what Uh it is Uh uh-huh excellent all right well tell me more because i certainly don't remember how it's played or why we're doing it on (laughs) (laughs) so that's what most people think about of tiddlywinks is the childhood game and yes that is tiddlywinks and this is that game but it's so much more why are we doing it on Rochambeau? Is there a competition that happens with this? Well, of course there is. Excellent. Yes. And it's started in a pub. So, Oh, tell me more. Right. Well, we'll get to that. But first, I want to tell you what Tiddlywinks is for those who do not know. Uh, Tiddlywinks is an indoor game played on a flat felt mat with sets of small plastic discs called winks. The target is in the middle of the mat. It's called the pot. The winks are moved around the mat with what is known as a squidger. <laughs> yeah, that's another large plastic plastic disc and a wink is shot into flight by flicking the squidger across the top of the wink then over its edge thereby propelling it into the air it's kind of like an ollie with a skateboard but that doesn't help anybody else but me um (laughs) (laughs) so the way that works it's physics you scrape it down the picture a penny laying flat if you were to scrape a quarter down it to hold it press it down once you got to the edge, it would flip flip out. Totally. So I'm yeah. using one coin-shaped thing to launch another coin-shaped exactly. thing. Exactly, right. How many people play at once? Two, well, two to four. Typically, it's two or four, but you can. there's a way to play with three people. And is everyone a different color? When there's two people, you play two colors. When there's four people, yes. Okay. And it's always... I believe red and yellow against green and blue. Oh, neat. Or maybe I have that backwards, but it's, it's always the same... Always the same setup. So I'm trying to get all of my red coins into a little bowl that's in the into middle. Into the pot. Into the pot. Yes. yes. Sorry, language. Yes. You're trying to get your winks into the pot with a squidger. <laughs> I love the language on <laughs> I this know, thing. Great? This is great. Well, then you're going to love this word. So that's the offense, what you're talking about there, getting all your winks into the pot. But there's a, a defensive maneuver called squabbing. <laughs> yeah. Squabbing is when you cover up someone else's disc. So, like if I land on top of yeah. you? Yes. So if I shot my green disc and I missed and you shot your red disc and it landed on top of mine, uh, you squabbed me. Awesome. I've been squabbed. So it gets very strategic. It's not just running for the pot and trying to get everything in at once. That's one way. But that is the end goal? The end goal is either to get all your colored, all your winks into the pot or to get the most in the pot by preventing your opponent to get theirs in the pot. Did you say it was squabbing? Squabbing. Squabbing. So once I've been squabbed, so you landed your wink on top of mine, Uh is there any way to get unsquabbed? The only way to get unsquabbed is if I move mine. I can can use mine that's squabbing you. I can press it to get it off there. Or if somebody else knocks it off. 
Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. But as long as you're squabbed, you can't. You can't do anything can't proactive. Do anything right. And that's how you could end the game with not having all of your or exactly winks in e- the exactly. pot. Right. And there is a time limit, 22 minutes. No, 20. Yeah, I think 20 minutes for singles matches and 24 for doubles matches. So the tiddlywinkers, as they call themselves. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, there is this notion that it is a simplistic game. But they take a lot of pride in it because it is a very strategic. Um, it also has a physical skill, you know, much like snooker or golf. You ha- you know, you have a um, a dexterity in there to move them where you want to be. You know? Sure. And also the strategy part. So like in their minds, and I totally I can see where they come from. It goes beyond the purely cerebral game of chess and brings in more of that dexterity part. So they really... They're comparing it to chess? Yeah, because the strategy is, is... Wow. The strategy portion is similar. There's more variety, too, in, on what your strategy can be, you know? Which is pretty cool. So um, it started way back in 1880 was the first recorded. So they just had their... <laughs> I love the look you're giving me right now <laughs> while you're trying to do math in your 130-something <laughs> years. Should have put your glasses on. I know. Would have sounded so much smarter. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) Hey, I'm not here for the math. (laughs) Nobody ever is. No. Um, So the story that I remember from somewhere that I don't know where I saw this story, but I'm going to go with it, is it started in a pub. Of course it did. Yeah. Two guys were sitting around and they started squabbing. No. Like they were probably flicking coins into a thing on a table and said, hey, let's make a game. So it became a game in the 1880s. It was a popular adult game parlor game in victorian Eng- england a bank clerk named joseph ashton fincher filed the original patent for the game in 1888 and applied for the trademark tiddle d winks now we're tiddly winks so it's evolved drastically since then i see yes so other people found out about the game and started making their own versions of it so there was competing tiddly winks games and it got really big in the 90s the 1890s, Cam. <laughs> Remember the uh-huh, 90s? Uh-huh. It was a bit of a craze, a fad, and it lasted for nearly a decade. Played by adults and children and spread all over the British territories and eventually made its way to America. There's a lot of different versions of it that came along. And one that I found that was pretty cool was Tiddlywink Tennis, which is much like tennis or ping pong, but played on a smaller court. All right. You're talking my language now. You yeah. know I love paddle sports. I know. This How is, do you do this with a paddle? Well, you take you have winks and you take your squidger and you flick the the winks over the net. Oh, There's a tiny little net. Oh, yeah, pretty neat little little thing they had there. But so yeah, modern day the uh, game can be traced to a group of Cambridge UK undergraduates in 1955. Their aim was to devise a sport at which they could represent the university. These were kind of the nerds. These were you know Cambridge is a bunch of smart people and they. They identify as nerds, so I'm not dissing them. During the 60s, as many as 37 universities were playing the game in Britain, and even Prince Philip in 1961 played the game. So he became involved in the Wings at the time of the Royal Charity Match of 1958. Um, It was an important part in establishing recognition for the game in its early days. The match resulted in a challenge to the Duke from the Cambridge Club, after a press article posed the question, does Prince Philip cheat at Tiddlywinks? What? Yeah. Wow, scandal. Scandal. Uh, the Duke nominated the Goons as the royal champions. The Goons were the team out of Cambridge. Okay. They went by the Goons. Uh, as royal champions, a massive publicity surrounded the ensuing match. 
The match was easily won by the university, but not without more than a little bit of controversy. Philip also um, nominated Tiddlywinks to be in the Olympics. He liked the game. What do you think about that? Like, does that sound like the Olympics to you? I think it might be a stretch for that to be Olympics. I think so, too. Yeah. It's a cool game, and I appreciate it, and I could, you know, see definitely the value in it. Um, but I don't know if it's Olympics material. Can I give you a sidebar real quick? Sure. We're going to do an episode soon about uh, the sport of sports stacking, which is a cup stacking thing uh-huh, yep. that kids are really into. And I'll tell you all about it soon. But when I was doing research for it, I kept coming across this article that said, sports stacking to be in the next Olympics. I was like, that's amazing. It's going to be an Olympic Uh sport because to me also like this, it doesn't reek of the Olympics. There's nothing terribly athletic to it. Right. You know, but I kept coming across this article and I never read the whole thing, but I just kind of pinned it. And then finally, like when I got really far into the research, I went back to that article so that I could kind of close my story with, guess what? It's going to be an Olympic sport. And it was an article from a paper like The Onion. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) It was a joke. Oh, man. Tiddlywinks has been derided a lot. Oh, well, that's a shame. Yeah. Nobody likes to be made fun of. Well, they're they're really okay with it. Okay. (laughs) You know, the guys who do it are really like, yeah, we get it. It's cool. I mean, do you think it's just because of the name? Maybe. Such a great name, but it's also really goofy. Right. Well, it's better than Tittle D, Winks. Yes, they yes. did improve. Right. <laughs> well, I think it's because people think of it as a child's game. Right. You know, because that's how we know of it. You know, And that was just the flipping of the things into the cup. Like That's all we knew. But no, these guys have really a uh, good sense of humor about it. In my research, I came across Tiddlywinks.org, which is a, a pretty big player in the Tiddlywinks world. They said, setting the stage, the oft-ridiculed game. And there's a list of uh, quotes here like, have you sold our precious heritage in exchange for frivolity in a game of tiddlywinks? <laughs> <laughs> Even in the matter of nursery games, the Victorian child took things very seriously. There were some board games, however, which provided little or no intellectual stimulus. Chief among these was Tiddlywinks, <laughs> whose apparent inanity to the uninitiated is often regarded as the ultimate and useless activities. Wow, yeah. that's harsh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to the point about Prince Philip, um, <laughs> trying to get in the Olympics. Ian Woolridge of the Olympic Committee, he came back with, at the risk of propagating royal support for Tiddlywinks, a game of the utmost tedium played by anti-athletes too tired or apathetic to get up off the floor. Wow. I have to concede that his argument makes sense. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So they've been beat up a little bit. Anti-athletes too lazy <laughs> to get up off the floor? And apathetic. Don't forget apathetic. Wow. They've had a rough road, the Tiddlywinkers. <laughs> but uh, I watched I watched a couple matches of, I think it was maybe the 2016, I don't know, championship. Looked like it took place in a basement, not a fancy place. But I was really into the into the game. Like um, I was watching two guys, uh, Severin Drix and Ferd Wolken, who are legends in the sport. They were going against Larry Kahn and Matt Fayers. And I watched the whole match. It was about 12 minutes long. And I was really into it. It was amazing. Like I was pulling for Severin and Ferd because I had seen their names before. You know, I had nothing else to go on. <laughs> That's how we choose. Um, but watching them strategize for each shot and like going over like, 
if we do this now, uh, are we going to boondock them or, you know, what, what was boondock? Oh, you want to hear some crazy words? Yes, please. All right. <laughs> yeah. They said, uh, use your Bristol and you can boondock them. I was like, what? So what are they <laughs> what? talking about? All right. So here's some, um, silly words that you may or may not like. Hopefully you like them. Blitz is an attempt to pot all six of your own color early in the game. Um, that's generally before many squabs have been taken, by the way. Bomb. So that would be a strategy in itself. Yeah. Was if you can just get lucky enough to get them all in right, right away, that's a blitz. Right. Like Got if, you're, if you have the skill to knock yeah. all those guys in. Sorry, I good. said luck. You're right. It's no, skill. It's skill. It's skill. Uh, you can bomb. You can send a wink at a pile from a distance in hope of significantly disturbing it. So you're going to like bomb Ooh. a squab pile. Bring in is an approach shot. Bristol is a shot which attempts to jump a pile onto another wink. So you're leapfrogging over a pile. And the shot is played by holding the squidger at right angles to its normal plane. That's the Bristol shot. A Karnovsky is a successful pot from the baseline, which is about three feet away. Wow. So oh like my it, gosh, I didn't realize it was that far. Yeah. So if you could, if you could Karnovsky, you could really make a blitz. Well done. And that'd Ted. be a bunch of crud. Which is a physically hard shot whose purpose is to destroy a pile completely. Uh, Doubleton is a pile in which two winks are covered by a single enemy wink. Good shot is named after John Good. The shot consists of playing a flat wink through a nearby pile in the hopes of destroying it. So you're, gonna, you're breaking up a pile. Kind of stinks pile. to get a move named after you when your last name is Good. Uh-huh. <laughs> because most people are just going to think it's a good shot. Right. You're like, good shot. You're like, no, actually, that's that was me. no, that's Kronofsky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a gromp is an attempt to jump a pile onto another wink, usually with the squidger held in a conventional rather than a Bristol fashion. A John Lennon memorial shot is a simultaneous... <laughs> Shut <up>. no, <laughs> no way. It's true. It's true. It's a simultaneous boondock and squap. Um, knock off is to knock the squapping wink off a pile. Lunch is to pot a squapped wink, usually belonging to an opponent. Oh, so if you're squapping your own wink and you accidentally knock the opponent's Oh, in, in, into the pot. Mm-hmm. That's called a lunch. Nice. Yeah. You know, it's a fun strategy game. Yeah, I heard a lot reference a lot to like darts. Mm. You know, it's the same level of or same level. Uh, there's skill and strategy involved. This mm-hmm. has more strategy than I think darts does. Um, Indeed. Yeah. And you just thought it was just a little kids game. It still feels like a little kid's game. It just sounds like a really good little kid's right. game. <laughs> right, yeah. It got left in a little kid's room when it should have moved into the adult's room. No doubt. Yeah. Right next to the chessboard. I hope to see Tiddlywinks at Like a Bar someday and see how I can see how I can use my squidger. Yes. Yes. Your squidger. So there's different sizes of squidgers, by the way. People even sand down their squidgers to get them just right. Is that legal? Uh-huh. Got a little bit of leeway with the squidger. Got a sandy squidger. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fancy. Uh-huh. Well, Kim, that is a sport of tiddlywinks. All right, Ted, do you want to start the calendar this week? Do I ever? <laughs> and you know why? Why? Because it's May the 5th. Which is Cinco de Mayo. That's right. That is the Sunday of this weekend. The Sunday of this weekend. Which means the Black Autumn International Festival of Worm Charming. Oh, poor Cinco de Mayo. It doesn't mean Cinco de Mayo? No, it doesn't mean Cinco de Mayo. I mean, it does. It also Also, means... Also, if you haven't heard of Worm Charming, we covered it in episode 19. Indeed. It takes place in merry old England. 
I believe in the south of England on the fifth. It's an amazing competition. Um, what they do is they try to rouse worms from the earth using nothing but maybe a pitchfork or a drum or whatever the best method is for getting the worms to come up on their own accord. Charm them. Charm them. Yes. That's fantastic. Yeah. And what's the episode number on that? Episode 19. Fabulous. Go back and listen and then get yourself over to England. Yes. Or get yourself over to England and listen on the plane. Yeah. And what worm centric events do you have near you? Yeah. Maybe there's a worm charming on this state side. There is in Texas, I think. Do you know when that happens? No idea. Okay. We'll look into it. Okay. And you guys send us your ideas and get out there because the world is a big, beautiful and sometimes strange place. And we know there is fun to be found. So go find it and let us know about it. Thank you, Cadillac Jones, for lending us your music to use on this podcast. We appreciate you guys immensely. They're awesome. If you get a chance to see them, go check them out. Till next time, people. Goodbye. Goodbye. Or see you Hello. later. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>